When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Total Schemers Podcast. My name is Simo. Today, I'm joined by Jake. Say hello, Jake. Hi, guys. Welcome back. And we're also joined by Adam. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Well, you're part of the team now, Adam, so <laughs> you're all yeah, going to need to I'm, thank uh... us. <laughs> We've snapped yeah, you, as, a, as, it was planned. as a, it was planned all along, when we, all, those, all those episodes ago when we had you on as a guest. <laughs> um, as usual, this show is brought to you by Manscaped for 20% off and free shipping at the checkout code SCREAMERS20. Uh, we're just going to jump straight into this, guys. Um if you don't know, we are recording this on a Tuesday. We normally do it on a Monday. We have Champions League games fast approaching. So if we're rushing through any games, <laughs> you can blame it on our, on our poor performance, not getting a, not getting a show done on a Monday night. Uh, let's start with the, 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 the notional sort of five rubber of the, of the weekend, the Chelsea Man City, which turned out to be a pretty, a pretty boring game from, on my sort of, from my point of view, I thought Chelsea were absolutely dreadful this game. Uh, mm. I thought uh, it came out of pure left field for me. I thought they didn't line up in a way that I would expect them to. I think go with the two forwards instead of sort of that that front three that they kind of normally do with the two mid, the two sort of sitting midfielders. Um, didn't really. I think it kind of played right into Man City's hands. I'm going to come to you first, Adam. What were your thoughts in the match as a whole? Um. I mean, I, I think probably most people are in agreement that it, it took a while to for this one to get exciting. Um, the, the first half was just an absolute snooze fest. It was. <laughs> um, just, again, I think as usual though, Man City just, just there's never really going to be a game, I don't think, where Man City don't dominate Chelsea or anyone for that matter, but, but especially a team that sets up like Chelsea in terms of they were just looking to strangle them from minute one. Um, and sort of keep them them penned into to their own box. Um, obviously, got a bit livelier in the second half. I think the goal changed everything. Um, <clears throat> I think for me, though, I think the big takeaway is if I was if I was Thomas Tuchel, I'd be looking at this game thinking maybe we should slightly adjust the way we play here. I know obviously it's worked up until this point, but you saw as soon as Chelsea started trying to play those long balls into Lukaku. To, uh, to to then put Werner away, away when they were sort of desperate for the goal, they were getting through a lot, and and because obviously City, we all know City pressed so high up the pitch. I think that leaving, was a disappointing thing about it for me, was, Adam. Yeah, it was it, every time Chelsea actually went for that long ball, they were getting the two on twos every time. Mm. Um, obviously, ended up creating a goal from it that was that was just offside. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, I think if I was Thomas Tuchel, I'd be looking at that thinking there could be a potential way to to beat teams like City or, or even like Liverpool, for example. He's got a fantastic record against um, Pep in recent history. Um, I just think, I don't know why he adjusted his normal, well, I think he adjusted his normal approach in terms of, I don't think the out ball was as, normally as normally the out ball 
as Chelsea have played City in recent times has been to incredible pace. Um, like Timo Werner, the likes of that. But Lukaku, although I think he is quite a, a deceptively fast player, he's not of the pace of Timo Werner. He plays right in the shoulder and it's, it's all about mm. trying to get away from my man. It's not really about trying to wrestle. He's way by the man. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they probably should have went with the sort of, you know, the, the 3 4 3 sort of setup as, as, they've, as, they, as they've, they've adapted to. Um, and I think they would have a bit more joy with that. In the second half where Chelsea did come out a little bit and be a bit more positive, I thought, you know, why not start like this? You know, why not start like this? I feel like you, I feel like you lost the match in the first half. And I, I felt like if there was two goals in this game, one apiece, then there would have been probably five or six in this game. Hmm. Uh, one of those that have, I think a couple of goals that would have really got this game going. Um, Jake's uh, give us your thoughts, mate. Um, I thought I thought it was a really good performance from City. To be honest, I thought defensively they looked really, really good. They looked really strong, and there's been a lot of talk about Chelsea this season as being the ones to beat. And I think City's shown exactly why they're not to be underestimated this season, even though they don't have a, a, an out and out number nine, as, as everyone says. But I thought they, I thought City's defensive game, as boring as it sort of is, was was, was excellent. You know, Pep seems to have learnt from the last time that they've, they've played Chelsea in the time before that when, you know, they were beaten quite comfortably in both games. But, you know, I think Thomas Tuchel probably didn't help. You know, his, I thought his midfield was quite a strange one. He, you know, he had Kovacic, um, Jorginho and Kante, all, all very defensive-minded players. Yeah, not really Which, that outball. Just the immediate that outball. outball. Yeah, exactly. That that was the one that... The I Mason sort of, Mount, Kai Havertz sort of... Yeah. The di- the dynamic of that leading on to a, a Timo Werner or a CH or something like that. I can see what he... I think I can see what he was trying to do. You know, he he knows that that Man City midfield's full of creativity, so he, want, he wants to stifle that as much as he can. But ultimately, I think he stifled his own side by making himself... his his team more negative that that's the way I sort of saw it and Werner and Lukaku obviously you know they've not played much together up top as, as a pair so their partnership isn't quite there but I thought I thought Lukaku was was poor again against another big side you know he was poor against Liverpool and he was poor again here against Manchester City um, so hopefully they'll, they'll want him to to start finding the net against the so-called bigger side because um, the sooner they do that the, the, the better it will obviously the more it helps Chelsea out as well I think you've got to bang on I think Pep does need to get the props for getting his, his tactics perfect <clears throat> for this game perfect clean sheet in the win against the yeah. arguably the favourites for the league next to next to his side is, uh, is a fant- if you, any result you could have asked him for that would probably be a 1-0 um, wrapped up nice, nice and neat and tidy um, yeah I do think that Tuchel going sort of like trying to go man for man in the midfield was a mistake. Um, yeah. We don't we don't ever try and win the battle in midfield against Man City. We just tackle hard in the midfield and try and escape through the the wide areas and, and don't even try and play through it. You know, and because you know Man City do have, in my opinion, the best midfield in the world, and the best depth from from a midfield point of view. Um, so yeah, I think Tuchel was maybe a little bit naive, but this is still a new a newish kind of outfit at Chelsea and this will be a lesson learned for Tuchel and he does seem like a coach that does learn lessons from his defeats so I think the the next time City and Chelsea play uh, will be a bit of an interesting one Uh, I want to go next to Manchester where Manchester hosted Aston Villa uh, and we're fairly dreadful and (laughs) we're defeated (laughs) 1-0 and our beloved Billy isn't on the podcast to tell us about it. How dreadful for us. In his place, uh, with all his enthusiasm, Jake, give us your assessment of this match. Do you know what, mate? Um, I'm just. I had a little look at the stats before the start of the game, and you know, United had 28 <laughs> shots in this game. <laughs> 28 shots. They had four on target, which you know. It's baffling, isn't it? And then obviously the big. It's a wolves conversion rate that it is, and obviously the, the big talking point was that that horrific Bruno Fernandes miss <laughs> awful penalty still going apparently mate still going somewhere in Manchester apparently, yeah apparently it's sort of it's just sort of collecting things now and it's sort of forming its own sort of ecosystem but I thought I thought I thought Villa were, were, were bang on the money for the win I thought it was a, a good performance and I think you know Courtney House deserved that as well, didn't he? You know, he seems like a, a nice lad, and Dean Smith deserved it. But yeah, just I, the thing for United that that sort of concerns me doesn't concern me as a Liverpool fan, but you know, as for as a neutral on this podcast, that um, is 
for all their attacking talent, it's just not clicking for them. You know, they've got Ronaldo, Cavani, Sancho, Greenwood, Rashford when he's fit. It's just Pogba, you know, probably a couple of others. But you look at those names and you think you should be comfortably scoring goals and they're just really not finding form. I think Gary Neville said it, it, it correctly after after the game. Was you know they are they do seem like a team of individuals they don't they don't seem like a, a cohesive unit yet and is Solskjaer the man to to make that based on what we've seen so far probably not you know he's got arguably one of the best attacking teams in the world and they're struggling in my opinion they've, they've not looked comfortable at all this season so uh, I'm not sure what they need to do to get the best out of those attackers but clearly what they're doing now isn't working. Well, the Man United board have came out and state they, they unequivocally back Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, which is great news for the Liverpool fans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although I think though, there was plenty of shots taken by Man United, but I think the Villa chances were, were quality chances and they definitely yeah. deserved a goal uh, in this fixture. Um, Man United, it could be argued that they, they probably deserved a goal. I mean, there is it does look like a team of sort of quality individuals. Mm-hmm. And it's very, they're very much lacking in the, the deeper areas midfield. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, actually, he's been awake to this criticism, came out in the media and said that he, that he loves the, the midfield of Scott McTominay and, and Fred. Um, and I don't necessarily think Scott McTominay is, is the problem in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, before this week's fixtures, I've not checked the stats um, since this week, this match week. But before that, there, there was no player in the Premier League that was dribbled past more than Fred. <laughs> and that's that's a hard start. That's not like an observant of watching a player and you think, well, he doesn't really look as if he's stating any claim. Just in the eye test to be in a Man United side, that's mm. that's a hard start that says, right, okay, there's there's a problem in that midfield because he is a sitting midfielder <laughs> or a box to box sort of moving around, getting in the way of people. Is is his general job? But um, yeah, there's there's problems at Man United, but. They don't look as if too far away, but maybe, you know, a decent defensive sort of midfielder. And that's that's what Adam was crying, crying out well, for, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think, to be fair, though, I, I, from what I've seen of them so far, I don't even know if that changes anything. I really don't. Um, like, under Solskjaer, they are, and I think they have been for a couple of years now, they're just a team of, I've, I, as you said, of individuals. Like, it's, it is very much... Aren't they? Yeah, and, and I think when Solskjaer was asked not too long ago um, about his style of play and his philosophy, he, he said something along the lines of, you know, he, he wants to sort of hit hit teams fast on the break, play counter-attacking football, and then sort of leave it up to the quality of his attackers to create something. And and, and just from him saying that, you, you sort of realise there's no actual clear plan. Like, once they get the ball to the forwards... <laughs> Quite There's vague, no real idea of how to create chances. <laughs> Very and, vague, and, and you yeah. see, because li- literally over the last year, maybe two years, they've literally been like moments FC. It's like they create just little bits of magic and that will see them through games. And Because I, I yeah. think you look at this Villa game and it's no surprise to anyone really. I think it's it's been coming. You'd see the perform- performances they've put in. Mm. Um, and I mean, you, you referenced they, they had 28 shots, Jake. If you actually look at the distance some of them are from, in fact, yeah. most of them are from, it's like they quite literally are just, it's, can I find Ronaldo? If I can, yes, Ronaldo shoots. If I can't, I'm just going to shoot from 30 yards myself and we'll just hope it goes in. Yeah. Um. And, and I think we're going to see this a lot with Man United this season. Like sometimes it's going to happen for them. For example, the Wolves game, they were battered for, what was it, like 80 minutes. Greenwood gets a lucky break, scores a goal. Sometimes yeah. it's going to go for them. Other times in the Villa game, these these outrageous shots and 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 sort of just hoping that the talent gets them through alone, it's not going to go for them. And they're going they're going they're going to drop more points like this this season. I don't think that's the approach that wins titles. Um, but you never know. We're still quite early on in the season. Uh, quick start for you there um, to just back up what Adam was saying. No player is averaging more shots per game than Cristiano Ronaldo this season. Um, so which goes on to, to sort of emphasise the Man United reliance on them, even though they do have quite a, a deep forward line. Uh, we next go to the... Uh, the I, I was going to say some sort of derby, but the, the name of it escapes me. Leicester Burnley. Um, oh, yes. Jamie Vardy, Jamie Vardy had a, a hat-trick. He had, one of them was an own goal, but he had a hat-trick. <laughs> I'm sure he took home the ball. 
Um, no, one is, no, no, uh, shithousery. I'm going to come <laughs> back to you, Adam. Um, thoughts on the Leicester Burnley game? Um, I mean, I, I think it's it's another game where where you're looking at Leicester, thinking they're actually in a bit of trouble now. Um, I, I can't quite remember where they are in in the table, but they they've I think if they've lost more than they've won. Still, I think they're still in that sort of like negative record. Um, and and Burnley are a team that I mean, look, they can always look to to sort of stifle the top teams and and to really. Um, I guess like nullify the attack of top teams, you know, be be a real pain to play against. But I actually think from what I saw, I didn't watch the whole game. Um, I just saw the highlights. But from what I actually saw, Burnley for the most part kind of went toe to toe with Leicester, and mm-hmm. and they didn't really seem seem afraid to actually try and get at them. Um, well, Leicester were very fortunate to take anything away from this game, given the Chris the Chris Wood offside Chris goal, which was very very tight. I mean, one of those bad decisions where I kind of feel like they were going to be eradicated this season. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Leicester very fortunate to take anything away from the game at home. Yeah, no, I again completely agree, and, and and as I was saying, I think I think Burnley were very brave. Um, I think we saw a different side to Burnley actually. Um, we we saw it a little bit against Liverpool as well, where where they they weren't afraid to sort of commit bodies forward and and press a little bit, and and it was it was quite nice to see the fact that they can change their style of play away from home in a manner in a, in a manner like that, and and actually get something from a team like Leicester. Um, so I just I I think it's commendable. I just wanted to praise Burnley for for a minute there. Yeah, yeah, I think Kenna does go out under the radar. And Tifo Football actually released a video recently on a breakdown of Burnley's tactics, um, which which is great. And everybody should go watch it if you're interested in, in, in the philosophy behind Sean Dyche's approach to football, getting the most out of a team that virtually spends nothing and potentially what's what's known as the, the most competitive league in the world. And it's all about compressing the pitch and making the pitch smaller and winning the aerial duels high up the pitch. And for a statistic for you, no team wins more aerial duels in the Premier League than Burnley, who win approximately 25 per match, winning 25 aerial duels at the minute per match, which is quite significant. That's a big, that's a big one. Yeah. It's a big jump, uh, uh, journey. Um, big jump in uh, on the next team, which I believe is 18. So it is quite a stretch from, from the number two place. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one for Leicester. Not only Leicester, for the past sort of, I want to say, three seasons, start overly well. They start and, and they'll nail down like a second, third and fourth place <laughs> for a long old time. And then they'll burn <laughs> out near the end of the season. I don't think this bodes particularly well for, for Leicester starting the season in this matter. Manner. I mean, for a club that's succeeding consistently uh, and getting European football consistently in the Premier League, um, I think there are a few adjustments. There's, there's things that are happening to Leicester in terms of you know, um, James Madison has, str- has struggled with injuries more recently than, than in previous seasons. Um, Jamie Vardy is aging, although he does get a, a pretty pacey, a pacey goal away in this match. Um, but I think they maybe could be on the verge of entering just a little bit of a transitional period where they maybe need to invest just in the more ready-made players rather than the... Um, close to it but and could make it kind of players if that makes sense yeah there was a few boos as well wasn't there uh, full time so, I think they were aimed towards Brendan Rodgers as well so I wouldn't like yeah. to see the fans getting on his back I mean you know he's just won the FA Cup and the Community Shield and I think I think it'd yeah, be yeah. premature for them to start booing them because you know they're not like you said somewhere they're not in that top four immediately yeah, but credit, credit to Burnley for getting a, a good point and Maxwell yeah. Cornet looked, looked good I, player I think it goes a uh... So it goes a long way, especially the FA Cup. It will go a long way for a team like Leicester. You mm. saw how, how how much it meant to them to win it. Um, I, I think it definitely buys Brendan Rodgers uh, at least a year. Like you know, let's say they are they do continue to be disappointing this year. I think it buys in that. Oh yeah, I mean his, his recent success. I think although I think it's if there was a, <laughs> a word that precedes premature, I think that's what I'm doing. As the thing is maybe just. Um, a, a very small minority of support with um, support with very very short memories, mm. um, given that Ben Rogers had a, a fairly positive tenure uh, in, ta- in, <laughs> in charge of Leicester. Um, we next go to Rafa Benitez, Everton, um, who, pay, who played a, an extremely poor 
Norwich side are you fear for Norwich this season where they're going to get any points on the board at this point they look ever so poor in defence I just don't think they've, they're very much playing with a, a championship defence in this Premier League and, and mm. every team is looking to exploit it even Rafa Benitez was very much in the, in, in the mind of overloading their defence in certain areas of the pitch knowing that there would be a breakthrough um, Jake I'm going to come to you um, do you fear for Norwich this season in terms of getting, oh. getting any points on the board at all massively I we spoke about it I think before the start of the season and I think we all pretty much had Norwich nailed down immediately to go straight back down and they are that yo-yo club aren't they you know they they come up they get the money they're quite happy with that and then they'll happily go down knowing that the next season they'll be in the mix again to come up so I it must be frustrating for their fans to know that they're not going to give it a go like a Burnley or someone like that just to try and stay in this league for a few years it must it must be like really frustrating but Routine win for Everton in the end, you know. Andre Gray and and Demar, uh, Andros Townsend. Andre Gomez and Demari Gray. <laughs> <laughs> he got him backwards, uh, buddy. Andros, Andros Townsend and, and Demari Gray, though for Everton. Speaking about them, they look they look really good. I think Rafa Rafa's really good at, at making things happen on the shoestring budget, and obviously Ancelotti's spending pre Rafa has, has made them tighten the purse strings a little bit. Obviously, we've seen a few of those players not do very well. James James Rodriguez being the key one, but. Rafa seems to be doing good. Silencing the Boo Boys at the start of the season there and his his cheap signings they look really good. And Damari Gray, by the way, one point five one point five million they signed him for what a signing he's been <laughs> what to them. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's not Raffling. even some players' wages for the month. <laughs> to put that exactly. in context. Yeah, I think I think he's been really good. And Townsend's look look sharp as well. And Takore is looked like he's had a new lease of life lot breathed into him under under Rafa. So I think I think for Everton it's a, it's a it's going to be an interesting season. I, I you know I can't see them finishing in Europe, but if they show positive positive signs under Rafa, I think I think that will probably please please a lot of the Everton fans. I know my cousin who is a season ticket holder at Everton. He's he's massively come round to to Rafa being the the gaffer there. So yeah, <laughs> you know I always knew this was going to happen that Rafa would get there. Yeah do Rafa things and they would kind of be like you know what this is this is all right this and speaking on Decoury Jake I don't think I've ever seen a midfielder that is as much a Rafa Benitez midfielder as Decoury yeah he's such a Rafa player isn't he he's such a Rafa player he's yeah like you said Rafa Benitez he will only He's not. He doesn't massively spend big. I think he would if it was the right player, but he does. He generally mm. doesn't see any value to players that don't offer an immediate improvement or a rotational yeah. option. Uh, hence, you see the likes of um, uh, James Rodriguez departing um, to to Qatar, uh, where I'm sure he's getting paid plenty of money. So, enjoy your Twitch streams while you take some time off. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam, did you have any thoughts to add? Um, apart from again, I just I really worry for Norwich. I think especially after um, Daniel Fark came out saying that this year Norwich are, are smarter, they've got a new way of playing, <laughs> and they're going to look to try and stay in the Premier League. And I just I just like, what? haven't I haven't seen yeah. I haven't seen an ounce <laughs> of, of 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 any sort of change. Um, and and I. Uh, it's 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 really really disappointing for for to be a Norwich fan. I, I think every every other year, um, yeah, I, I think that's all I ha- have to add. Really, it's, I think the, it's the ownership so came out. Jake said so routine for the for ownership everything. came out a couple of uh, in recent times and said they're pretty much happy being a top twenty six club. Yeah, and just kind of yo yo in between and, and collecting that sort of hundred million <clears> you get from from being in a in the Premier League for a season um, disappointing for Norwich fans because they must feel like every time they do get a promotion it must just feel like a bit of a false dawn mm. um, and whether they can have any sort of real faith in the side I mean Billy Gilman and Brandon Williams isn't going to be although they're great prospects isn't going to be enough to keep you in this league they should have bought at the back they should have bought big time at the back um, Grant Hanley I, I don't really like ripping on any sort of Scottish players in the Premier League because I do love seeing um, any Scottish player playing in, in any abroad league from Scotland, but um, he's just not. He's just not Premier League fit. He's he's nowhere near it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, and Rafa does continue a, a, an extremely positive start at his time at Everton, um, having him playing some some really positive football. Mm. Uh, we next go to Leeds United, who hosted West Ham. West Ham got over the line again. It was a really really sort of close fixture, really competitive fixture. It was very Leeds United. 
um, in terms of their, uh, their, their willingness to, to relentlessly attack for a, for a 90 minute period. Um, Rafinha looked absolutely superb in this match. Um, yeah. but West Ham just showed a wee bit of extra quality. They came, they seemed to keep improving all over the pitch. Um, Adam, give us your thoughts in, in this fixture. Um, well, well, I think firstly, just to, to touch on West Ham, Antonio being back is massive Huge. for them, isn't it? Like, I think we saw obviously against, uh, who was it they played? Manchester United it was when Antonio was obviously missing. And you, you felt that even though they were, they were tiring, they, they still maybe could have got something out of that game. And I think, I mm. think Antonio is that difference. If he was there, I, I think it probably would have been a different story. Um, and it kind of was like you touched on Rafinha for Leeds. I think I think in this game the two big standouts were Rafinha and Antonio, um, sort of leading the way for for their teams um, in in this fixture. Um, we touched on how important Rafinha can be for Leeds. Uh, I think it was early on in the season. I think it was for a Liverpool preview. Um, and I was saying he is just, in my opinion, at least anyway, he's like a cut above any other winger or or even player that Leeds have really. Um, I think Dan James came on. Um, I think he came on as a sub, or he might have. Started, I can't remember. But Dan James played on the other side. He played on the left hand side, and I thought he was not great. Um, he was obviously sort of dealing with uh, Kufal and Jared Bowen, who I thought both had very decent games for West Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought West Ham. They look to control the game in in a way that you see the bigger clubs control games against Leeds. Obviously, Leeds mm. tend to they like to have quite scrappy games, don't they? They like to they like to get you one on one everywhere on the pitch, um, and uh, and sort of try, I guess try and make it some sort of goal fest. Um, West West Ham, I, I thought to be to be honest, I think two one was was probably quite flattering for Leeds. I, I think West Ham. Could have could have gone and got another few. Um, as I said, I think they controlled the game like they were a, a sort of top four, top six team. Um, and and for the most part, like I said, apart from a few moments from Rafinha, just nullified leads for him in, in all sense of the words. I very much agree with you, and I think this is a good test for for West Ham in terms of matching their players against players that are going to want him press with intensity and, and match them in those one-on-one one, one on one duels and battles. Um, but this West Ham team is, is full of genuine talent, genuinely, you know, top-level players that are just there to... Extremely ambitious players that want to be up playing in Europe and, and competing amongst those 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 larger Premier League clubs. Um, but yeah, all good things in West Ham. Um, and I think Leeds struggling a bit more this season. Hmm. than they were last season and it's going to be a long old season I know they kept every game virtually every game minus a couple um, tight it's only the the second time in their history that they've not won any of their first six games the last time was 1935 so you know that's that's a worrying stat for them I, I know a lot of people spoke about obviously they did well last season and a lot of people were saying second season, second season syndrome won't affect Leeds hmm. um, because of how fit all of the players are. Obviously, playing uh, that Bielsa away. Do you think it is second season syndrome kicking in, or no? I think it's just a numbers game. I really do think it's just in another in another time than I think a lot of those chances that Leeds have had because they are extremely creative and extremely forward thinking. They just don't seem to be dropping this season for them. Um, and I think they do edge a couple of these tight fixtures. So I think they actually probably, if a couple of things went Leeds way this match, then maybe we're talking about a different result here. But yeah, I I don't see them go down or anything like that. But no. in terms of when you play this way, week in, week in, week in, week out, it's just sometimes it goes for you, sometimes it goes against you, and we're just in a period where it seems to be going against them. And I'm sure Marcelo Bielsa... Is he injured? He's out for a while, is he? Or? I'm not sure how long it wasn't in the match, the match squad. Um, I think you know, I think James Shackleton moved to left-back or something like that. I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't watch the film 90 minutes hmm. uh, where he moved there at some point in the game. But yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure Marcelo Bielsa will find a way to sort of resolve this and Leeds will follow. I can, I'm predicting a, a, a Leeds good patch at some point as they as they maybe face some of the more tired of Premier League sides that, that can mm. match their intensity but obviously at the start of the season all every player and every team's raging to, raving to go you know we're not quite at 
really cold games in November and December. So we'll see how um, <laughs> the teams imagine against Leeds in that period. Uh, we next go to the match that nobody asked for. Watford, Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One each, as you would expect. A lot of Newcastle fans still upset uh, with, with Steve Bruce and the way he lines a side up. Um, I'll come back to you, Adam. What were your thoughts on the fixture? I mean, as you said, it was the game no one no one really asked for. The, 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 I feel like there's not too much to say about this game. I think I think everybody would probably be pretty much unanimous in, in a 1-1 or a 0-0 um, in terms mm. of predicting this one. Um, look, I, I thought there was a few decent um, individual performances again. Um, Alan said maximum for Newcastle always. He's far really, too good in that uh, side, isn't he? It's the only yeah. good thing about far Newcastle you think about that, that side and, and Newcastle <laughs> Yeah. That and Joseph, young Joseph Bullock. I think Arsenal will yeah. have to get rid of I, I highly rate him. Um, I was yeah. just going to touch yeah. on him as well. I, I, th- I think I think St. Maximum and Willock definitely stood out for me um, in terms of, again, I guess similar to Rafinha at Leeds, I, I referenced that. I think they're just a cut above everybody else in that team, um, to be honest. Um, and, and for Watford, um, I think, Joshua King did all right. Obviously, Sarv's always a threat. I think he he was the one that got the goal, wasn't he? he? Does, yeah, yeah. He um, does, yeah. You know, he's he started the season really, really well. Um, sort of proving to everybody why there's a few big teams in for him. I remember last time Watford were in the Premier League. There was there's a couple of big teams sort of sniffing around Sarr, and and mm. I think the price was maybe too high at the time. But you know, he's, he's started started really really well again. He played well last week as well. I remember. Um, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised to see Saar go into um, a, a top six club at, at some point, maybe maybe at the end of this season. I think it would um, have to be for the big money because I, I believe Watford bought Saar for I think the sum of 40 million coming off the top of my head. So the reluctance to sort of resell, maybe proving in that, that price tag, maybe Saar was bought for a player for the here and now and for the future of what. Watford as well. But um, unless it was a, a significant sum, I'm not sure they would be overly keen to sell him on. He has been linked yeah. away for a long old time, linked to Liverpool um, heavily. Yeah, yeah, I remember Liverpool interested in um, I so. think the most uh, exciting part about this game was the fact that it's the first time in Premier League history, or I think in, like English football history, that we've had an overseas ref take charge of a game. Australian uh, Jared Did you see? Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was... He had seven yellow cards as well, didn't he? Probably so, yeah. the most entertaining part of the, uh, <laughs> of, of, of the game, actually. Did you see where he got the... Because obviously he, has, he hasn't like dealt with VAR properly before. Did you see where he got the? Th- there was the um, disallowed goal. I can't remember who it was for. I think it was for Watford. Um, so he, he has, did, like, he has VA- dealt with VAR to, to clear, but not in the the current oh, form it? as it is in the Premier League. Okay, so so well, he did the he did the thing. So he did like the square for the VAR, yeah. and then he pointed to the to the center spot to signal like the signal that it was a goal. So yeah. all the fans started cheering, and then he was like, "Oh no, no, wait, no, it's, it's no, no, I meant no goal." And then he pointed <laughs> to, the, to the box, and uh, he got like all confused at like what the signals meant. And yeah, it was quite, it was quite yeah. I think I did a feel a bit sorry for him there because you can't you can't yeah. give him his, his debut and not fucking tell him about the new rules. No, I'd <laughs> like, imagine you know? I'd imagine they did. Uh, no, no, but the although, thing is, it's it's the English it's the English referees, the mate. So you can guarantee the fact that they've gone. You'll you'll figure it out, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, Do you know, they, we know the standard of the refereeing in England. The fact that we're having to get Australian refs come over, you guarantee. Yeah, Mike Dean, Peter Walton, you know how useless they are. I've just gone. Don't worry, mate. You'll figure it out. It's not that hard. Like it's just it's just probably mugged him off the park, and it's like his initiation. <laughs> I think it's probably a case of muscle memory of, of what he was doing in, um, yeah. in Australia. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's he's a highly touted referee was of course the the, the subject of the famous uh, Mike Top referee um, uh, project that, that BT produced uh, which mm. was extremely well, well received and every fan that watched that that was immediately in the, in the, in the, in the frame of well, why can't we have this all the time mm. uh, I would remind them you were watching a sort of like four minute video um, listening to a guy for 90 minutes uh, as we all know in this podcast is something completely different um, although it'd be good for, for, for just the VAR decisions if, they, if we could just hear a little bit of that conversation uh, so I thoroughly agree with that um, moving swiftly on from this match don't mind dwelling it too much uh, we moved to uh, the neutral some, some are calling the game of the season so far the Brentford 
Watford, Liverpool match, free all. Um, we'll go straight to you, Jake. Um, we talked about well, you talked about this game um, in significant detail on the Total Liverpool podcast, which you can go and search up if you are a Liverpool fan or we're interested in this match. Yeah, you can get a, a more in detailed review, but just sum this up for us, Jake. Chaotic. I think is the car crash is another word. I think someone used it. It reminded me. I said it on the on the other pod that of Jurgen's early days at Liverpool, where it was just, just you know basketball, football going down either end and, and trying to outscore each other. But it was highly entertaining. You know, actually, it was one of the few games where we've conceded three. Where yes, I was disappointed, but at the end of it, I was sort of gone. Well, I actually, really enjoyed that compared to the, <laughs> the drivel of last season. You know how bad a season was for Liverpool. It's you know, even though we didn't get the win, it I sort of it was nice to just enjoy a chaotic game of football involving Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now I've calmed down. A lot of teams do just approach Liverpool with that with a low block, and it's like we're watching the same game on repeat yeah, every exactly. week. It, it is. It's exactly that. It's nice to see someone, especially a newly promoted side, come out and go. Do you know what? We're going to have a go at you, and they show that you know the. the there's still there's still holes in this Liverpool side to to exploit, and they I think Brentford you know did that very well, and for credit to them for getting a very very good point. Yeah, but- I don't want to I don't want to emphasize the 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 point on the the lack of Liverpool defender or the or the lack of quality in Liverpool's mm-hmm. defending in this match because it's I, I very think good I would Brentford be, attacking. I would be yeah Brentford that player. that is my point. I, I think it'd be extremely unfair to Brentford to, to nail down. I think Brentford were extremely brave in their attacking movements. Although there was there was few in the game, uh, the ones that they did generate were extremely quality. Their set piece work I thought was absolutely excellent. They were brave in all the situations. It was great to see. Um, uh, young Pinnock came up from the National League yeah. um, scoring in the Premier League against Liverpool um, and uh, and the Brentford fans and the Brentford players are all really enjoying you know that lovely stadium um, the new hype uh, of, of of being in the Premier League and you know credit to them and you know Brentford were, were quality in this game uh, and gave Liverpool a really hard game which, which we all as Liverpool fans predicted are, are Liverpool yeah we did yeah. Uh, I want to say like social commentators or people who commentate on football regularly um we titled our Total Liverpool episode as our toughest game yet in the lead up to this Brentford game and it delivered just that um, as it was. Adam, do you have any points to add? Um, not really. I mean, look, we, as, as we said in the, in the other pod, I think, I think it's one of them where, look, Liverpool were pretty poor defensively. Um, not really necessarily any individual errors. Um, just, just one of those games like, like Matip and Van Dijk didn't really look like they'd ever played together before. <laughs> um, I don't think Robertson did himself um, did himself any favors. Um, but, but I think I think you have to credit Brentford for this. You know, as you said, we're so used to seeing the same game with Liverpool, where it's just playing against the low block, watching Liverpool trying to break a team down and. And and I think the bravery to to come at a team like Liverpool, the you, you know, considering the squad differences as well, like the quality mm. in squads, the bravery they showed and and the talent that they showed as well. Like I mean, he just even reference one of it was the offside goal that that Tony scored. What a finish! Probably the yeah, hardest chance of the lot, and that. he's yeah. buried it. Um, you know, I I just I thought they were brilliant from from start to finish. Um, mm. And uh, and and I really I really expect good things from them this season. I, I think they'll be there or thereabouts mid table. Yeah, yeah, long may continue. <laughs> Lovely club enjoying their first season in the Premier League. Um, you do love to see it. Uh, we next go to St Mary's, where Wolves got themselves over the line, got the win against a, a difficult Southampton today. I don't think the Southampton are necessarily bad in this game, and they were slightly unfortunate in a few of their chances did drop. Um, but Leeds, uh, sorry, Wolves finally getting over that, that line and, and starting to convert some of their chances. Um, the Raul Jimenez um, in this game was, was absolutely superb. The, he's, the goal scored was, was extremely, extremely quality. Um, Jake, I'm going to come to you. Um, thoughts yeah. in this match? Firstly, you know, delighted for Raul Jimenez, you know, from potentially never playing football again and losing your livelihood to to coming back and scoring the winner that's it's what it's all about isn't it it's it's a ha- sort of happy ending there and he looks sharp again he, you know he looks he looks really good back to his sort of old self but I, I still worry for Southampton you know that I watched I watched the uh, up until the goal and then I had to turn it off but you know that they just didn't they're just lacking that killer blow for me and that's you know 
I think obviously down to Danny Ings leaving, you, you're missing a striker who's guaranteed 20 goals a season. You're replacing him, you know. I think, uh, I think it's Adam Armstrong who they got in from, Adam from Blackburn. Armstrong. Yeah, I think, Adam, I think he's yeah. a good player, you know, and he's a good prospect, but he's not proven in this league like Danny Ings. He's not a Danny Ings type player. Not a one. And I just exactly, and I just I do worry about about their their killer instinct and or the lack of killer instinct from this Southampton side. And I, I, I struggle to see where they're, you know, they've not, I don't think they've won this season yet. And I struggle to see where their wins are going to come from. Uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, I just, you know, I like Southampton. I think they're a good side, but they're just lacking, lacking for me in a lot of areas now. They've, they've almost, they remind me of, you know, the, the, that side that, that's been pulled apart pretty much to the brink of <laughs> what more can they you take from them? There's been a lot of talent in Southampton's team over the past sort of like five or six years. There's been some quality mm. players in that Southampton <clears throat> side. You know, you're talking top class players. You know, your your Van Dykes, your your Manny's, Adam Lallana's. Um, uh, you know, your sort of, yeah, Danny Ings who's just recently departed. Uh, the the ones that still remain there, your your Mayo and 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 James Ward Prowse are just sort of like trying to make up for the, a lot of the the. Um, the lack of quality in other areas, areas of the pitch. Uh, I mean, I think on goal is still Southampton's joint top scorer <laughs> at this point in the season, uh, which well, is, is a little bit disappointing for them. But I think they will do extremely well to stay up this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if they could stay up this season, I would consider that a successful season for Southampton. Yeah. Um, although they did, they did run Wolves close in this game. I think they need a wee bit more quality finishing. Um, the the Wolves keeper did. He had a very good game, though. I th- I think it was yeah. like six saves all inside the mm-hmm. box that he'd made um, from like some good chances as well. Um, I, I I thought they played okay, Southampton. I think just linking back to Jake said it is just that that sort of killer instinct to just finish off the chance, mm-hmm. put you know, put some chances in the back of the net, and uh, and well, as you said, they they ran Wolves close. They they could have maybe nicked the draw out of this and. I think it goes, you only have to go back as far as the, like, literally the City game last week. Southampton could have beat City. Mm. They just, they just couldn't really, you know, find that, that sort of killer finish. And, and obviously I, I know they should have had a penalty in that game, but, you know, it's, I, I think they're going to struggle even more than I, I thought before the season. I had them to go down. Um, yeah. You know, if, if, if they are going to struggle this much, if this is going to continue and they're going to struggle this much to put the ball in the back of the net. I, I I think they're going to struggle even more than, than a lot of us previously thought anyway. Absolutely. Uh, coming on to the North London derby, which we, we watched <laughs> together, which was lovely. We watched it on Twitter Spaces. Maybe we'll do that again and you can come mm. on and, and talk to us on Twitter. If you don't follow us on Twitter, we're on there and that's probably our most active social media platform, although we're on other social media platforms that that I don't know, someone else runs, not me. Because <laughs> 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 I only operate on one social media platform. But um, yeah, this was the worst Spurs performance I've seen in a North London derby in at least the last four or five years. At least. It, it, it was certainly... I, I don't I don't think they've ever been 3-0 down by halftime before. Mm. It was certainly the worst first 45 minutes from Spurs. Uh, in the North London derby I've ever seen, um, and and it's been that sort of question, hasn't it? You know, it, it was one of those games where everybody asking, were Spurs genuinely that bad, or was it Arsenal? Or know, Arsenal just, just good, being so yeah. good, yeah. And I and think, it was I think both. <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I think I think when when those questions are asked, I think most of the time the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal, I think, Simo, we both said it um, before the game kicked off. This was Arsenal's best lineup, um, and I think it's the first time we've seen that lineup um, in terms of all the players being in in the correct positions. I think it's the first time we've seen it all season. Um, and and what I actually really liked from Arsenal, and and I pick out Aubameyang specifically in this because he's somebody who's not really shown the best of mentality recently. Um, I, I, you, again, you only have to go back a year in the last North London derby. He turned up to the game late, so didn't even start. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that's the sort of mentality he had a, 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 around just, for, I think, football in general and, and maybe where his ego was at as well. Mm. But at the weekend, he was, he was challenging for every ball. You saw him winning headers against centre-backs. Um, he, he looked... I'd go as far to say as he looked like the best we've seen a Bamiyang 
um, since that the season where he, he came joint top goal scorer alongside Sadio Mane and, and Mohamed Salah. Hmm. Um, and and I think to have for Arsenal to have a striker like that, especially if he continues this this sort of um, these performances, and it wasn't just a one-off because it was the North London derby. If they can get him backfiring, you know, that's another 15, 20 goals a season in that Arsenal team. You know, the, I, I think literally with that alone, and obviously, again, with the likes of, we've spoken enough about how good Emil Smith-Rowe is and, and Saka on the other side, and then Odegaard in the middle sort of linking everything together. I think Arsenal could very easily be the best of the rest. And what I mean by that is I, I think they could very easily finish fifth place um, mm-hmm. this season. Um, I think Spurs, on the other hand, it's it's a real mess for Spurs right now. I think, I, look, I really like Nuno. Um, I think he's a good coach. He looks a bit out of his depth, uh, just in terms of, I think I referenced it yesterday, how how just what a mess Mourinho tends to leave his squad yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> like garbage that he normally leaves when he departs a football club. And it just mm. it just looked literally after those first 30 minutes, and I mean, I know they were like 3-0 down at that point, but they just, they looked so disinterested. Um, a, a lot of the players, I think Harry Kane, just he looked, looked genuinely... Does he like even he want to play to football injured. at this point? I, I, he looks I, I, so uninterested. Aubameyang, I if you compare the two strikers, Aubameyang looked so focused. He was mm, pinpoint yeah. focused. He wanted everything. He was timing his runs to perfection. He wanted to, to challenge his centre-backs and let them know he's there. And Aubameyang's not a big man, but he's still there to fight for the shot. It's a, it's a derby after all. He's a completely different attitude than, than the last one, where he, he, he obviously he was just not interested at all. Um, but Harry Kane is just, he's just, I mean, I think he had maybe one decent chance in the game, but he's at, completely at fault for one of the goals. Say, he crossed them, a lot. It was either yeah. second or third goal, didn't he? He just dispossessed yeah, it was, and then, yeah. It's a, like a, a hopeless attempt at running back, back and, yeah. and performing a, a, a slight tackle. I can only assume he's trying uh, try to get him sent off and with a red card on purpose, but completely <laughs> missed times it. Uh, giving Saka essentially all the room in the world to go by him uh, and and get one away. Um, we were watching it together. It was lovely. I really, I really enjoyed watching it with you guys. Uh, yeah. But as soon as that ball broke, I said, that is a goal. They're going to score, yeah. They're going yeah, to score yeah, here yeah. because it broke into a sort of three, oh, a three two, a three on two situation just outside the box. I knew Saka's quality. And another thing I want to mention before I come to you, Jake, is how important it is to put Saka on the right-hand side. It's mm. his best side. He plays his best football there. I know people plaud at Saka for being versatile and being willing to play virtually any position on the pitch. Set a forward, left wing, central midfield, left back, right back. He'll play it anywhere. He'll do it all. That's just him willing to get minutes on the pitch while he's young. But he plays and he does his best work out in that right-hand side. I mentioned that when we used to do the same old Screamers show with a, a podcast that's now ended called The Same Old Arsenal, extremely popular show. When I featured on there, I said... Saka does his best work on the right-hand side. All the statistics point to that, and he's out there, and he's just he's a level above any performance he performs in any other bit of the pitch. Pepe needs to just accept he's second. That they just need to accept Pepe is now the second striker. Yeah. Spent money on him, they got it wrong. Kepa did it. Um, Chelsea did it with Kepa. They just accepted it was a wrong move. It's time to move on. We need to find a solution for this. And I think that's what Arsenal need to do and just nail down that, that right-hand side of the pitch to Saka. He's an extremely fit boy. And when he's... when he's, I think he, he's not carrying any injuries at, at this point. So I think they should be giving him all the experience and all, all the playing time yeah. he could in that right-hand side. I think it's really important for Arsenal. Jake, I'm going to come at you. Um, some of the star before us. Um, Spurs were absolutely dreadful, I think. Do you know, those stats, I think we mentioned them... Um, the other week was, you know, their their distance ran. I think so far before this game was you know ninety nine kilometers or something. James Milner runs that every game. Yeah, <laughs> like he runs. Well, sorry, he runs. He runs ten kilometers on his own every game. Uh, and you know, so we're talking Milner in one game against. I think it was Palace. You know, ran ran a ninth of what the whole Tottenham squad is running. <laughs> it's combined. <laughs> and that's, you know, bang embarrassment. And those Spurs fans, you know, we like you say, we were watching the game together. And to have your own fans leave a derby 20 minutes in just shows how absolutely shambolic you were. Harry Kane didn't look interested. You know, he didn't look like he wanted to be there. He didn't really want to be on the pitch. Every touch, he was heavy. You know, there was no, like, desire to, you know, he's the homegrown boy. He's the one yeah. that's supposed to drive this side. Captain Fantastic. 
Yeah, you know, he didn't look like he could be asked. Deli Ali was anonymous. I didn't even know he was on the pitch uh, until he got substituted. It's it was just. Did, have you sorry, seen the? the did the, you? No, on you oh, go, Adam. I, I was gonna. I don't know. We might be about to say the same thing. I don't. Is know. it the kind of good analysis? Of the possessions of the, the oh, midfielders of Spurs. No, so, so I know what I was, was just going to say. Have the you wish seen Rude Hullet? The wish Rude Hullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did. That was, that was class. That was class. There was also a, yeah. a, a, a bit of analysis on Carragher on the Monday Night Football that stated there was less space in the moon. Um, than, <laughs> no, there was more space in the moon. Less space in the moon. Yeah, then there was uh, between the, the, the central midfield of Spurs. Uh, but they pointed out where they were Hoiberg, Deli Alley, and Ndombele in relation to each other were all over the place, like nowhere near Awful. each other. Um, and I, like, I understand my point now, I'm a midfield sort of criticism there, but this is like, the fault of this is Harry Kane. I know that <laughs> seems a bit simplistic to see it all, but. I mean, they, they had a point to prove. They started the season without had a point to prove. So played some excellent fluid football. He come back, stopping about, just like doing nothing on a pitch. Just a yeah. passenger in the most, one of the most important positions of the pitch. And it's just having this <laughs> tremendous knock-on effect all the way back to the back line. Just they look better without him. Just know that we said, they we said get, this as well a couple of when they, they got to the Champions League final, didn't we? When we were we were chatting, you know, they looked better in that run without Harry Kane, and it got to the final. They started him, and he looked awful. And this season, you know, they beat Manchester City without Harry Kane, and then they put him back in the side, and they just look terrible. And he just does not. He's so disinterested at the moment. It's almost like they, he's they waiting for next summer already to to come around to see if he can get his move. You know, he's he's talking about how he's worth a hundred million pounds and. Not on yeah, if you've not like heard this, that, Harry. folks, he put yeah. that price on his own head on a Gary Neville uh, podcast, yeah. um, saying that £100 million would be a fair price tag. Well, you know, judging by your recent performances, Harry, I think you're way off the mark. I think you need half that, um, and I think that's still a bit generous. Uh, it just, it's just it's shambolic. Nuno is in such a... Nuno is in such a tricky spot at the minute. He's damned if he does, damned, damned if he doesn't. If he drops yeah. Harry Kane, every time there's any sort of dip in form, he'll be hugely criticised and crucified in the media for dropping the golden boy Harry Kane. And yeah. if he does play him, he will inevitably lose his job because this Spurs yeah. side will not, they're not, they're from the back, they're just, to the midfield, they just know, if they make any sort of effort to move the ball up the pitch, there's just not one, there's not someone interested, there's not someone that's mm-hmm. super focused, laser focused at the end of it to put them away. So let's just do our jobs, let's just try to keep it tight, let's just... Let's just, you know, sit in our positions, make our tackles and, and move the ball in. Um, let's not try and be, like, aggressive and, and, you know what I mean, just having Son doing 10 jobs, just have Son doing 10. <laughs> He's taking a free kick and running into the ball into the box to try and receive the ball. is <laughs> the level of, of Son is trying to carry that team. Um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult spot. For, for I do not envy that man. It's a job. What I, I do because he's a football manager, and I imagine yeah. that's incredible fun and stressful. <laughs> but I don't and know. Massively, <laughs> massively envy uh, the, the predicament. He's in at the minute. Um, boys, we need to finish our show with um, Crystal Palace Brighton. Finished one each with that sensational equaliser in the 95th minute. It's um, awesome. <laughs> um, I'll come to you, Adam. Um, give us your thoughts in the match. Um, look, I mean, I, I'm probably, I'm going to speak more on, on Brighton in this, um, just, just in a general sense. Um, I, I know, I mean, it, it's really early on in the season. If we're being honest, they're not, they're not going to stick around this position. Um, but I think it's, it's really nice. I think just seeing Brighton finally get their, their just deserves. They've, uh, you know, yeah. Graham Potter has become like the flavor of the month recently. Um, with I've seen a lot of Spurs fans already begging for him, and he's not going to go to Spurs. And and everyone last season was slagging Graham Potter off, you know, um, taking the mick out of the the whole XG thing. Obviously, Brighton having that, I think it was the highest XG in the league um, mm-hmm. off the back of last season. Um, and and now, like I said, he, he's become flavour of the month, and everyone's you know sort of going, oh, you know, look how good Graham Potter's got got Brighton playing, and they're playing no different. You know, it's just 
they're just finally converting those chances. Um, and, and we're starting to see them them picking up the points that, that they deserve to be picking up last season. And and I think uh, I think last night was was no no different. Um, I, I'd actually argue that Brighton maybe even deserved to to possibly nick it. I think in the same breath you could say that that Palace deserved to because look on the flip side. I was um, I, I need to admit my my wrongdoing so far because I was very critical of of Patrick Vieira. I thought it would be a near impossible task to get that Crystal Palace team playing from. Obviously, how they were under Roy Hodgson, quite uh, resolute, hard to break down. You know, it was always a difficult game going going to, especially away to Palace at Selhurst Park. Patrick Vieira's got them playing a, a, a very, um, quite an attacking style of football. And, he, and he's managed to do it really, really quickly. It's such and a short I, time. I thought, yeah, I thought despite, obviously, the game finishing 1-1, I thought it was a, a really, really interesting watch um, from both both sides' point of view. Um, and I, I'm just trying to think. Eze, is not, he's not even back yet, is he? He's not back. No, no, no. He's not. And and that's just another... Everyone's speaking about how good Eze was last season in terms of just being that creative spark for Crystal Palace. And I just wonder, once he comes back, playing under this sort of Vieira style of football, can they actually even go up another level? You know, it's obviously remained to be, remains to be seen, but we all know what a talent he was last season. And I, look, I, I think I think both teams are going to have a really good season this season. Um, yeah. And, and and they are closely matched. And, and I think the draw sort of, uh, it's pro- probably a fair result in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Patrick Vieira deserves all the all the credit in the world for for, change, for such a change in philosophy and in an incredibly short period of time. Um, you know, he, he was, he's obviously incredibly unfortunate not to get all three points on the night. Um, if you've not seen the Thierry Henry interview of Neil Wapai, go watch it. It's fantastic. Um, it's great to see Thierry Henry back in the studio. It um, is. Understand yeah. it. I, he's, I, that was my favourite part of it. Yeah, completely determined to, to I, be I a manager, but he's just such a good pundit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jake, do you have any thoughts to add to it? I just thought it was an entertaining game, to be honest. I, I agree with Adam. I think a, a draw was, was the correct the correct result for me and I just I, I really like Neil Mope I think he's such a he's he's a bit of like an old school player he's such a dick but like he's, <laughs> he's really good like he just reminds me like you know, just yeah he's just a bit of a bellend and like if he's on your team you want him on your side but if you're playing against him you just must be like, oh like really wind you up but you know as a neutral I, I really enjoy, enjoy ended watch, that ended watching um... him Matteo Guendouzi's career at Arsenal, didn't he? Yeah, um, and yeah, I, and he I, did. Spot, yeah. You know. <laughs> Shit, them all the way to France? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, extremely, extremely entertaining game and, and two clubs that are definitely on the rise. Um, yeah, anybody Vieira, who's been watching, just, just yeah, just want to add. I think Vieira's done a done an amazing job. I I was worried about Palace before they announced him, and, and even when he was announced as manager, I was worried about them. But I think he's done a, an excellent job there, and yeah. if it continues, then they're they're in for a very good season under Patrick definitely. Vieira. Definitely, I can agree. And if, if any of the long-term watchers or screamers are listening, they'll, they'll remember the times of us praising Brighton and uh, being quite a fan of the way they play and, and it mm. seems, seems to be getting their just rewards, so, um, which, is, which is great for them. Um, also, I Palace say, need play, to... Sorry, I was just, just to, to add quickly, I, I always say like, if you can play the way that Brighton play and remain safe as that sort of level of club, yeah, what have you got to complain about as a fan, really? Like You're seeing your team play... Uh, in the Premier League, really entertaining style of football. When all the other teams around you are, you know, sitting to park the bus, the fans never really get anything to get excited about. Mm. I, I, I think Brighton have got it really good under Graham Potter, um, and I, I think we'll see big progression. And, and as well with Palace under Vieira, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, in fact, I put into the the screamers chat. Last night, where did these Crystal Palace fans come from? Yeah, they're, electric, <laughs> they're so they? loud. They sound like like the past few times I've watched Sellers Park, it sounded like fucking Prime Dortmund. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the fans going absolutely ballistic. Um, so they're definitely enjoying that attacking style of football. Um, I think Palace need to just do whatever they can to keep Conor Gallagher at the club. He's so important to the way they play. He's and I very think good. he seems like yeah. a player that just kind of wants to play as well. I don't think he'd. Massively appreciate coming into that Chelsea side and only playing every now and then. I know there's some some players that would rather be at a big club and play not so not so much, and there's some players that would just rather play every single week. 
Um, and he kind of comes across as that kind of player that, that just prefer to play every week. So I think if Palace offered him a big deal and, and he believed in the project that, that, that Vieira wanted to, to start, which is ultimately Europe, um, which he's, he's clearly stated and, and, and the, the Palace owner's been very, very, um, forthcoming and, and that's the ultimate goal for Palace. So there's a chance they could get him on and I think it cost him a pretty penny, but if I was Palace, then that would be my big marquee signing to say that we're starting a project yeah. here of something big was to, to get the signature of Conor Gallagher on a permanent basis. Uh, I just want to finish up. Lads, thank you so much for your contributions this evening. Thank you very much, mate. Always a pleasure to chat football with you. Oh, too kind, mate. <laughs> uh, thank you very much to our sponsor, Manscaped, uh, for 20% off and free shipping code SCREAMERS20 at the checkout. Thanks very much for the listeners for tuning in every single week. We appreciate you more than anyone. Uh, until next time, cheerio bye. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.